like this. Yeah. Well, I'm sitting here going. This is not going to be very spontaneous when we actually recorded. I, I was like, can you bring the affect up just a little, dude? I mean, my God, I know you worked all day, but could you help me out a little bit here? <laughs> Welcome to Extemporaneous. This is a podcast where I have come up with an idea. I do the research, I grab a bottle of wine, and I present everything to Mark, and then he pontificates. This week is the second part in our War on Science series, and we are going to be looking at the anti-vax movement. We are exploring the arguments on both sides, and we are coming down hard. Well, (laughs) Mark is coming down hard on one side, and I'm kind of like waffling a little bit. This is bonkers, you guys. And we have a couple of funny digressions, but overall, we found it a little bit difficult to make this super humorous because there's no joke about the fact that preventable diseases are reoccurring because people are refusing to vaccinate their children. We hope that you'll enjoy this episode and please rate and give us a review and hopefully it's a nice review. Um, And join us on our social media. We will give you all the social media details at the end of this episode. (laughs) She's pointing at me, guys. (laughs) All right. Well, here we go. So, Mark, before we dive into... You sound so angry. Because I can't (laughs) get my mind around this stupid subject that I am very I'm going to come out with it right now at the front I am very conflicted yeah well that's not we're not gonna allow that Keep going. <laughs> it's, it's a trample all over your feelings and your logic oh your okay well I mean it's I don't know that it's logical but it is empathetic what I have going on in me right now and it's causing me all kinds of like feels and I'm just very emotional I don't know how, also, this can possibly be funny. It's the most significant medical issue in society today is the injury from vaccinations. This is a war for our children. This is a war for their minds, for their bodies. I know that it can cause allergies, autoimmune issues. There's spectrum autisms. Eczema, you know, seizures. These are things that are affecting children. Okay, so let's do a quick list of, um, so in 1950, this is what we were vaccinated, the good old days. This is what we would have been vaccinated for in 1950. Are you ready? Yes. Polio, pertussis, which is whooping Whooping cough, cough, diphtheria, right, and tetanus. That's it? That's it. Four vaccines. That's terrible. That's what we would have been, and all the rest, because by that time, you wouldn't have had um, smallpox anymore. You remember? You know, do you have that? Yeah. You think, you I have that have in your arm? Somewhere. You have the scar from yeah. the smallpox? And so you're saying they were not uh, vaccinated against uh, virulent racism? <laughs> in that 1960? Like seems like no. It seems like one they might have included. Oh, my God. I wonder when that- Oh my God! Can you imagine if there was like, sir, we'd like to vaccinate you against racism. against racism? It would be a nice thing to have. Wouldn't that be nice if you could have that? Like, sure. it would be a sensible vaccine. This is going to make you smarter. 
Unfortunately, all the people who are anti-vax now would probably be just, or anti-mask now would probably turn that down. I think it would. I think the company country would be exactly the same. <laughs> the, They'd be like, "Well, I'd like an exemption for that." Thirty-seven percent of hardcore white nationalists just wouldn't touch. Why it. do we always have to bring it to white nationalism? Do you know what country you live in? Oh God! All right. So here's what you're vaccinated against today. If you are a baby born today and your parents are like, "Hey, yeah, hospital, do the vaccine." This is what you're you're um, vaccinated against today: chickenpox, diphtheria, grease lightning, HIV or Hib, I which is a is. it's hemophilus hemophilus influenza type B. Okay, I definitely don't want that. Yeah, give me that vaccine. It is uh, spread by the in the air and direct contact, and there may be no symptoms unless bacteria enter the blood. Um, and then the disease complications can be, you know, like meningitis that's and pretty bad yeah um, Death. Mm, that's very bad so that's going to lead to a lot of uncomfortable shit so hib um hepatitis a good uh hepatitis b good really yeah do you know that you get that as an infant in the hospital get, you never get rid of it hepatitis oh. b as an infant you good. get that like your first 12 hours of life you get a hepatitis okay. b does it give does it give the infants hepatitis b no no but do you know how you get hepatitis b lots of ways uh fluid exchange mm -hmm. uh probably not airborne i'm assuming blood or body fluids yeah how many okay. infants do you know that are having sex it's a sexually transmitted is, disease it is not that is not the only way you can get body fluids the cdc says that the only way to contract hepatitis B is, is contact with blood or body fluids. Right. Like so, spit or blood. Yeah. Spit or blood. But I mean, Plus, how many babies got, are getting... How long does that vaccine last? 20 minutes? No, it lasts forever. There you go. So why not give it to them at the earliest possible point so that you don't have to track them down again when they're getting ready to go through puberty? Well, I mean, there is that, but I'm just saying. And what's the drawback? That's the thing. Okay, so we, we know what the positive is, which means you won't get hepatitis B, most likely. Uh, what's the drawback? Uh, that you're having an extra vaccine that you might not actually need. Yeah, but that's not a drawback. That's just a statement. What is the drawback? What are the what's the what are the incidents of side effects or the risk? They are probably minimal. It's a vaccine. They've probably done a ton of testing on it, and it's generally safe. But the fact of the matter is, is that, and like, is chickenpox. Like, I had chickenpox. You had chickenpox. I think I did, yeah. All right. So everybody lives through chickenpox pretty much. Unless you're an adult. What? Well, then it's shingles, and it hurts like a bitch. But mm. I just, it's sort of like, okay, is that necessary? But here's the thing. Okay, so let's look at it this way. I could guarantee my child will never get chicken pox because I had chicken pox. It's very unpleasant. It is, but enjoy it's like it a rite of passage and you get no, a couple of days of off passage. of school and you're like chilling oh and God. eating applesauce and watching Captain Kangaroo on the TV. What, what a terrible justification. I don't know. I've got the little scar on my forehead. I feel like it gives me a little character. I know exactly where it is. Oh, that's lame. Yeah, well. All right, so. Then, so so hepatitis B, influenza, the so way, the flu my vaccine. My brother called them the chicken pops. How cute. 
Um, influenza. So the flu vaccine, they say, you know, when your kid starts to be like in his teens, yeah, start getting well, an influenza, plus, a plus flu vaccine. Flu, influenza for infants is pretty serious business. No, but they don't have you. Oh, no, have until they're in their like teens. Right. So, okay. mm-hmm. and then measles, mumps, two biggies. Yeah, those are very big. Two biggies. Rubella. Pertussis. Right. Oh, we talked about whooping cough. Um, PCV13 vaccine. vaccine against, uh, protects against pneumococcus, the rotavirus, rubella. Right. No, everybody hates rubella. Nobody knows what it is, but they hate rubella. Well, I think rubella is the thing that can cause, uh, isn't it German measles? I don't know. And then that's the one that can really attack your heart. Yeah, well. I had a, I had a grandmother who had a, her heart was attacked by German measles. Is her heart French? <laughs> it's surrender. <laughs> yeah. Like we, you know, whatever, we give up German oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. My heart is French. My heart is French. Oh, my measles are German, so <laughs> okay, you might be in a little bit of trouble. Oh, but only if it's World War II. In World War One, they stood their ground. Did they? The French. The cheese-eating surrender monkeys? No, that was just World War II because they had stood their ground in World War I mean, come on. They, we stood our ground and then we didn't. We, well, we did in the first war and the, that first war was so bad that no one wants foot, trench foot. What? Trench what's, foot. What's trench Isn't foot? that what that's called? Where their foot gets rotten because Probably, they're in the yeah. trench yeah. and it's wet and it's sure. gross. Trench mouth, I think. Well, I think there's trench foot. Could be. I, I totally believe that. I'm not a World War One historian, but I do believe that there's something called trench foot and their feet got just rotten. Just basically from being in wet. Wet, gross. Gross conditions with your boots and bad socks yeah. and nothing yeah. was like moisture wicking it right. was very no grim Dr. Scholl oh no dr shoal hadn't even been invented yeah. or born i know did we mention tetanus no tetanus that's a good one because no one wants lockjaw nobody does all right so those are all the vaccines doesn't that seem like a it seems like a lot yeah but i not one of those vaccines that i go ah maybe i'd be okay getting that I would be okay not as an infant getting hepatitis B. I would be okay not getting chicken pox. I feel like the chicken pox thing is like a I, honestly. But here's the thing. You're getting those vaccines. There's If there's no additional risk or very little additional risk, why not spare your child that disease? Which is, by the way, very contagious. Okay, so that's the list of vaccines. 1950 versus what you would have today. And now let's um, let's talk about the history of vaccinations. Would it, well, would it surprise you to know, or maybe you did know this, that the anti-vaccination movement is nothing very new? Uh, well, a little bit possibly, but in general, no, I think... We always overestimate the stupidity of the people who coexist with us in our century. Uh-huh. But people have been profoundly stupid for <laughs> ages. Well. This is not a new phenomenon. I think, and I think it does the ancients a disservice if you forget that they too were sometimes ignoramuses. Oh my God! So uh-huh. no, it does not surprise me. I'm sure it's as old as vaccinations. Actually, yes, it really is. Um, and just to go back before vaccinations, there they there were procedures called <laughs> variolations. So it's really not good. But I'm going to share it. Everybody, trigger warning. It's a little bit of a kind of gross 
it bothers me the procedure but anyway you just trigger warned yourself and then got triggered and then i, I totally got triggered <laughs> so okay in during this procedure in this procedure um that was started in asia in the 1600s and was oh, meant to be um a, a way to create immunity against smallpox so it was meant to sort of lessen the impact of a smallpox outbreak by killing them by you know giving them smallpox so oh, okay. so what they do is they would take the dried up scabs from smallpox and then make them into a bit of a tea make them into like a powder and blow them up into someone's nose oh you gotta snort someone's scabs oh god no don't i can't i can't even hear that i can't i can't that visual is so disgusting to me Ugh. <laughs> So yeah, the trigger well, fuck and the trigger the, really was 100% maybe, about me. maybe bringing it up wasn't the best yeah, idea. But I want people to be informed and I thought it was such a gross but also kind of weird and interesting factoid. So anyway, that goes on into the 1700s. And it goes through from Asia into Africa into the Ottoman Empire, eventually gets to Europe, this this type of procedure and they they but in Europe they do it a little bit differently. They make they, everybody sleep in the same trundle They bag. had the same squeamishness about scabs. Good. So what they did is uh, instead of doing the they scab blowing method. No, my God. <laughs> you, I don't know. No, the that's British, not a part British of it. British people, oh. in, in, when they need to, hey. you know, in times of high survival, they will drink pee. I think probably everybody. Have you not seen Better Call Saul this season? This last season? No, but I Clearly saw, saw a lot of Bear Grylls episodes. Uh, yeah, his pee and everyone. Same thing. I don't know. Anyway, this is a digression that I wasn't expecting. So anyway, they instead of in 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 Europe in England, instead of doing the scab blowing method, they would um, put a little bit of live action smallpox pus under a small incision or into a small incision in someone's skin. And wow, that's so much better. Well. It, just that is actually then blowing scabs in my nose. Wow, you just did it again. Oh, I cannot. Ew. But anyway, so, so for someone who cannot, you keep doing it. Oh my god, it's so gross though. All right, it's all in the name of of education. Science. Education. So um, so then uh, that works. But then Edward Jenner, of course, famously comes along. Do you know that story? Uh, and won the decathlon. No, I'm just wondering if your your puddle of knowledge extends to this. Let's not get level. crazy. <laughs> it's a biology thing. I remembered it when I was reading it. I was like, oh, that's from no. biology. All right, so he comes up with the the um vac vaccine against smallpox, and the way that he does it is he uses folk legend that milkmaids did not get smallpox. Instead, they got cowpox right and so that was a part of the lore of the area and he kind of was like ah wait maybe and so then he does he does some experiments with it and he, he he takes cowpox pus and then puts it uh into the system of Beef the boy pus, I think mm -mm, of a young man <laughs> and he's like a 10 year old or an eight year old i can't remember what but he's ridiculously young and probably should not have been being tested on probably an orphan honestly yeah um, have some more please <laughs> sure but first have this inoculation so anyway he there becomes uh, the first guy who is treated with a smallpox vaccine and that that's it edward jenner so he used first the, he vaccine. used the cowpox to 
inoculate people against smallpox. About, against smallpox, because once you have the cowpox and the, the lore in the area, the folklore was that the milkmaids who would get pow, cowpox never got smallpox. And then they would go around. He said that he, you know, the apocryphal story is that he overheard a milkmaid saying, my face shall never be pocked because I shall never get the, the smallpox because I've had the cowpox. So here again, a woman. Yeah, good job. Yay, Good job woman. getting the cowpox. Yay, milkmaid. <laughs> but anyway, so she, so that's how. I mean, that's he, right. I, mean I don't want to put down the contributions of women to science because they are legion, but uh, literally just celebrated someone who got cowpox. Well, I mean, but she put the two and two together. She just didn't do the science behind it. She oh. said, I've had cowpox. I'll never get smallpox. And it yeah. was, you know, of course, tied into her female vanity by saying, I won't ever have a pockmarked face. Right. So that's why I don't really believe that story. I think it's good press. It's nice PR, but I don't really think that happened. Yeah. All right. So then we go through the first generation of people taking this miraculous um, vaccine and not getting smallpox. And smallpox was no no joke. No joke. That is not a joke. And it's never it never has been. And it isn't still when outbreaks happen. Um, but and people are like, hold on, why are we having why to do, do vaccines? Cow, yeah, and why do I want cow pus under my arm? Actually, we'll post an image to Facebook and you. and or Instagram to share this with you all. Um, it, those vaccine haters were <laughs> afraid that they were going to turn into cows. Well, yes. So, <laughs> so or like a had, cow head might grow out of you. So, I mean, here so we they are. they had an equally strong grasp of science then with our <laughs> current day, modern, modern day version. Yes. Okay. So, so this is it. So smallpox is the biggie. And then as time goes on, of course, we develop um, vaccines for um, measles and for what else? Rubella. Rubella and polio. Polio is the biggie, yes. right? So we get polio and then we get s several of these others. And people, of course, are very excited because they have a memory. When they developed the polio vaccine, there was a long shared memory of terrible summers where people were getting polio and very sick. And, and it was such a tragedy for so many, so many people, adults and children. Um, but um, in fact, mostly children, honestly. But once you go through a couple of generations, here we are again. Well, do we really need the polio vaccine? And we, so our current anti-vaxxers, I think are steep deeply in this um, culture, which is potentially an essential human <laughs> trait to sort of rail against authority and government because they, you know, obviously the, well, I'll let you talk about. Do you know what they're, what the anti-vaxxers or vaccine, um, Awareness um, folks are oh, trying. Is that, is that what they call themselves they, now? They prefer not to be called anti-vaxxers. Yes, but I believe that their name then is now a misnomer because <laughs> they're not aware of vaccines. <laughs> well, they're trying awareness to gain. Awareness is not their thing. Vaccine gain awareness. But anyway, these folks, what do you know what their arguments are? Yeah. I'm, well, I mean, I think so. I think their arguments are primarily that vaccines are harmful to children or can be harmful to children. Mm -hmm. And that, that, and I think they also call into question the efficacy of, and the necessity of some of these vaccines that we give to our children, mm -hmm. which is a slightly different argument. Mm -hmm. And uh, I suspect they also believed they were charged too much at lunch yesterday. <laughs> and they're going back to talk to the young lady about it. 
I don't know. I mean, what else is there to believe? That's isn't that kind of it? No, Lay it on me. I no. I think I think that that's it. I think it's a little bit more nuanced, which is usually one of your favorite words. Um, as I was doing the digging, and I've listened to there's a actually there's a podcast with a doctor who is a proponent of changing the vaccine schedule. How excruciating! <clears throat> is that no, I mean, so it's interesting to me in the sense that I was trying to understand where they were coming from. I'm not believing them, but I. I believe in building up someone's argument so that it's a really strong argument, being able to restate their argument and then come in with your, make it as strong as you possibly can. And then, and then come in with your evidence and disprove it. And I, and so I approached their side of things from, from that perspective of going, okay, well, where, where do they have a strong argument? Is there anything in this that actually has merit or is it all just bad, bad, bad? And it's not so simple as they as them saying, we don't believe in vaccinations, full stop, that's it. There may well, be some. They, I think they started there and had to retreat to this other position. There is no evidence in the research that I have done that they started out at a place of like zero vaccines. And then as more evidence has come on, they've said, well, some vaccines, but not. There may be some that were like that, but the majority, I think, have have always tried to point out where yeah they work but are we doing them the right way should we re should we re-examine the sort of the schedule at which we give these vaccinations and See, the amounts in which we I give these that, vaccinations yeah i find that uh unlikely i understand why they are concerned and i understand wanting to question things and i also have to admit that if I was a part of that group and I would look at how we are represented or we were represented in the media or um, sort of how things work with searches online and what things that people are, how they're referring to us. Um, where with slurs. With, yeah, slurs against, well, you know, and, and they would say not because we don't believe in all all vaccines we believe that there are some things that need to be questioned and can we have a can we have a dialogue about this or can things be changed you're gonna hate my next analogy okay are you ready i'm ready to me <laughs> the anti-vaxxers oh, rebranding themselves mm -hmm. as uh now uh quizzical science-minded individuals mm -hmm. who are just asking questions right is to me the equivalent of southern racism now being called uh, being about states rights you know what i mean uh -huh. it's just well that that argument actually it well yeah but that that argument exists and it that well i'm not going to get into that argument but well so currently there are very few states rights uh advocates uh especially not in the numbers that there are of uh you know kind of racist nationalists and oh my god and and can we bring it back around no i'm going off on a tangent oh baby. my god we're at the white nationalism it always ends up in white because, nationalism because they're rebranding themselves they're they're just calling themselves something that was is i mean they're rightly labeled as anti-vaxxers they are generally suspicious of i disagree what the hell listen to what it says anti-vax yeah what are you saying that there's like some secret group of them that are sitting there it's not secret secret no, saying just, no no vaccines at all because that is not what all of their literature says what happens is they just decided on their own 
to distrust all of the experts. Problem is, is that if you want to believe a position, like you want to be suspicious, call it whatever you want, be suspicious of vaccines, right? Mm-hmm. And you are predisposed to be dis- suspicious of vaccines. And they say, here is nine, here are 99 studies mm-hmm. that show that these vaccines are all safe. Mm-hmm. Here is one study that questions whether that is true. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they grab that one study to say, aha, I told you. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I think that that's, that's where they, that's where they're jumping off point and they will cling to the one study, you know, that is an outlier and because it tells them what they want to hear. Right. So they're not, they don't, they're not doing science. And even if they were well-intentioned, you still can't do the science because you're not, I mean, you're not qualified to do it. It's not like some simple science. You can, you know, put a Facebook survey up on your, on your page and, and get enough data to make a conclusion. You have to actually know what you're doing in something like this, this is complicated science. All right. I think that they actually have a case. They do deserve to be heard. They are not, they're not scientific people. Now you can be a cheerleader for science, right? Mm-hmm. And you can even ask these questions, but that assumes that research and medicine is not continuing, mm-hmm. right? That we've just all, we're all locked in mm-hmm. and we're never going to take a look at, you know, but if there were statistics, if there were statistical anomalies, if there were uh, any kind of evidence, people track children's health uh, pretty carefully. And we also track vaccinations pretty carefully. So I'm sure you could see if there was kind of some kind of correlation where, oh my gosh, all these kids getting vaccines are getting X, Y, and Z. But there isn't. Well, there, there, there actually is. Yeah. A, there is a kind of constant growth on like the more vaccines, the more. So it sort of goes, vaccines are here, you get four a year, and then all of a sudden you spike up and you're like getting 16 a year. And that's when you see autism in their charts, that's when you see autism increasing. Right. And that's the problem with unscientific people trying to pretend to do science. It's a correlation, not a cause. That's ex- well, of course, you know that because you're smart, but they don't <laughs> understand that. In my mind, I think it is generally in earnest, these people who are questioning and wanting to question. I don't think that they're coming from a malicious place. I don't think, I think that they can get a little bit conspiracy-ish. Well, you have to really, because what you're doing is you're saying that the overwhelming scientific record is somehow falsified. And on the other side, they could say, you know, sort of the, our side, the pro-vaccination people could say, God, they're just, they're willfully accepting bad data and not doing anything to stop it. And they, or, or they believe it, but there's only a small, like little layer of people that actually know the truth and are working against publishing good material. They're paying people to publish stuff that's not correct. Well, I I mean, that I think clearly there are people who are paying people to publish bad science. That happens all the time. And certainly not just in the vaccine industry. Uh, Drug companies will pay somebody to author a study in favor of whatever substance they're producing that day. Uh, Agricultural segments do the exact same thing. You commission a study, right? And uh, you hope it will end up. Coincidentally, it almost always seems to support your position. In some then who way. do you believe? Because then by that token, the CDC could actually be commissioning studies that support their position. Because if you think about it, 
what kind of trouble would the government be in if they could, if someone could come along with a class action suit and show that they knew all along that there were problems with vaccines? Well, and still so, said, well, the risk was, you know, the risk was worth it. Um, so, I mean, yeah, sure, there would be consequences. And certainly there have been, you know, drug uh, company related or medical related colossal errors and uh, ignorance and misuse, et cetera. You know, there was a, uh, a, uh, a anti-nausea medicine available that was developed, I think, in the 50s and 60s or taken, mm -hmm. and it was uh, prescribed sometimes for expectant mothers because, of course, they had, you know, nausea for morning sickness, et cetera. Uh -huh. And this was a fairly widely, uh, you know, distributed drug. Well, unfortunately, in a fairly significant percentage of cases, the fetus would not develop proper arms and would just have hands basically at the end of their at right at their shoulders mm. and um and the thalidomide the company who made thalidomide was of course long gone and was sued out of existence mm -hmm. but i mean that was a very serious health risk created by poor testing and etc but what you don't really see is the center for disease control conspiring to suppress science uh, that they believe promotes the health because they really don't have, I mean, it's possible someone could get paid off by a drug company, right? But I don't think there's one drug company that makes MMR. But if there is, then you can do things like, okay, who are they giving money to, if anybody, right? Who's getting paid? Are they commissioning studies? And how much, you know, how much do we take that? How seriously do we take those? But the vat, the problem is it's not just like, 10 scientists that are saying this is the case, like this is some newly discovered thing. This has been tested for decades and decades by various scientists, not all of which could possibly have a financial stake in whether our current vaccine regimen is correct or not. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you just have to believe so many incredible things to believe a conspiracy of that size. Conspiracies definitely happen. Right. I think I said this last time when we we're talking about flat earth conspiracies, conspiracies absolutely happen but you just have to be realistic about how big and complicated they can be and how much evidence you need to believe in one uh you know before you make that decision maybe this conspiracy is a real conspiracy it's low level you have to have a lot of people in on it there have been a lot of confirmation studies and uh, you know almost every child in the country has been subjected to these vaccines so if they're truly harmful, there should be some evidence of that. It's interesting that you use the word subjected. Well, whatever. I mean, subject to. Yeah. I mean, they I were, really think that's a harsh. What, would harsh you like word. me to say injected? I mean, <laughs> oh, no, I mean, like kind of an indictment. Subject, you were all these children were subjected to. I think you got to yeah, come well, up with I mean, something softer. Pretty much when I mean. Let's be real. You're getting those vaccines. You're not really given a choice. So I like you say, Mom, do I get a vote on this? No. The ask that they're making doesn't seem that much. It seems logical to me to question what are you, what is in this. I didn't do it, but I didn't think to do it. But they are. That's you're pretending. They have to pretend that science that's being done is not being done. If they say, if I say, look, I'm for controlling airspace over airports. And I think there should be some people down there 
taking care of that <laughs> so that planes don't crash into each other. And you're like, uh, Mark, they already do that. I'm like, yeah, they say they're doing it. But I have yet to see one of these alleged air traffic controllers. So I'm saying, and why is it so wrong to ask that question? Can't I just ask questions? Is our airspace being controlled? Are people paying attention to these planes? I'm just asking questions. You, but you should be able to ask those questions. You can, Shouldn't but you, you? also, I mean, in, but in if a you transparent government, insofar as our government is transparent, right? But do we? But we have a fair amount of evidence that our air traffic is being controlled, <laughs> and that there are people manning the radars because we don't see 500 planes smashing into each other every single day. <laughs> oh, same God, with, so same with vaccines. If we, I understand that you didn't perform all the tests. And it's possible, theoretically, that all of these studies have been fake. Mm -hmm. All of them. Hundreds, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. More like 40, 50. No, I'm sure there are more than 40 studies in the on autism, vaccines. CDC. No, you're talking about just the autism. I'm talking about safety oh, of vaccines yeah, no, no, in no, no. I'm just talking about that specifically. So uh, I'm sure that, you know, and you have to believe that all of those guys are lying. Mm -hmm. And you have to argue where is the cataclysmic result of every child in America getting these shots and not developing the symptoms you're talking about. Simply because there's going to be a percentage of those children who not necessarily with autism, but with other things. So here's an example of a real effect. Um, they, a, a child is already coded for a certain disease. let's say some kind of seizure disease um, and sort of an extreme form of ep epilepsy. Fevers trigger seizures, right? So you go in and your child gets the big triple, whatever, whatever the big, big um, first vaccine is. Um, and that might be DTAP actually. Um, so you go, they go in, that's their first, that's their first big shot. And then they come out of it and they are fine. And then all of a sudden they spike a fever which is probably high because that is a normal and common side effect. And, you know, even today when I've gone in for flu shots, they'll say, well, you may feel gross the next day or whatever. Right. Um, but so they get a real fever of 104 or higher, which then triggers their first sure. episode with that extreme seizure disorder. Right. Which is How terrible. does that not look like a cause? It's well, a it can be. It, it, can, it can be, be. but so it's really, in the end, not. They've done the test yeah. and they said they had the disease because it's genetic. The first fever triggered so, it. So guess what? Uh, children are allergic to a lot of things. Can be allergic to a lot of things. Humans can be allergic to a lot of things. So there are probably more of them that are allergic to penicillin, mm -hmm. I suspect, than are allergic to uh, or have these seizure pre seizure predisposition. Right. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. But in any event, we understand that, you know, some kids are going to be allergic to penicillin. Mm -hmm. So they're st they still could possibly get penicillin before we know that, right? It is a risk that we take in our lives. Everything has some consequence, right? There's a, if, it's there, if there's a one in a million chance that somebody could have a negative reaction to something, then you weigh that against what that one in a million chance is getting you. And if it's getting you the end of horrific, vicious, horrible childhood diseases, mm -hmm. that's probably a risk that is worth taking. Now, obviously you do everything you can to mitigate that risk. Mm -hmm. You try to test for that ahead of time, mm -hmm. et cetera. But, you know, to say then that, uh, well, there's a one in a million chance that, you know, somebody could have a seizure triggered by this. Therefore we're going to let, uh, 
mumps, measles, and rubella run wild across the country. <laughs> I would like not want to live in that country. Kind, yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. So, How rigorous is the CDC being in terms of re-examining and retesting, say, a, a vaccine that's been in play now for 50 years? You know, how frequently do they do the, and I don't know, and I couldn't find information on that, uh, you know, exploration with vaccines and developing new ac- vaccines, you can find a lot of um, material about that, but you cannot find a lot of material on how often do they look at a current vaccine and sort of say, well, is this is this right? Or is there a better way for us to be doing that? Lar- in large part, I feel like they're, the anti-vax or the vaccine-aware folks have actually through their protests, probably moved the needle a little bit and caused the CDC to sort of look at things and say, okay, or at least clarify. Well, they've definitely caused us to waste numerous research dollars proving that uh, vaccines don't cause autism. I mean, but maybe and I'm joking. That's not really wasting. <laughs> I know, uh, but I was going to say she's dollars, maybe that. But I mean, they, they'd be like, look, we all know it doesn't do it right, but we're going to do a, a study. We're going to have it peer reviewed. It's going to be flawless. This will work. This will convince them. Well, in the end, doesn't convince them. They still there are still those who believe that there are there is a correlation, even though again it's shown kind of the opposite because they did remove mercury. CDC now there's mercury. I don't I don't even know if there's mercury in any. I think there may be mercury in. in so there's some. I think there's one or two in adult flu shots. Yeah, and, for and adults. You can get a, you can get a non-mercury one. Yes, by. yes, yes, and 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 I think it's just like the a flu shot. Um, you know, that has that preservative in it. However, um, they don't see those articles and take them on board. They see those well, articles and not. say, not no, Googling that's not for articles. right. Google, hey, uh, uh, Siri, show me things that make, that prove that what I believe is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I want I'm, to be told I'm wrong. I'm sorry, I can't do that. You know, whatever. Yeah. She's not going to do that for you. So nobody's going to do that. No, but so they they have now you know developed all their own research that sort of says no, but this is still a question that needs to be explored. Blah blah blah. But what they cannot explain is that even though now all mercury has been taken out of all vaccines, the occurrence of autism is still on the rise. Right, and you know maybe they should be turning their energies to promoting autism research. Yes, instead of pretending. First of all. Nothing makes me crazier than people who have watched a YouTube video, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And belong to, you know, Moms Against Needles or whatever the hell <laughs> their little Facebook group is called. And they call that research. That's not research. D- at any point in this research, did you put a, a lab coat on? No. <laughs> Do you even own a clipboard? No. You are not doing research. You're just listening to stuff. You're being told things. You're not researching anything. So it's not just Karen's on the internet, though. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is also anti-vaxxer. Yeah. And he runs the Children's Health Defense. Right, which is probably... Foundation. Yeah, probably one of those misnamed... uh, Conspiracy kook groups, right? I mean, well, I mean, he's really digging in, and that group accepts funding and does fundraisers, and of course, it's got a Kennedy behind it, so it yeah. probably, I'm sure, it does quite well in that area. And with that money, they have now paid to have scientific tests done. So you, it's not just Karens on the internet; it's Karens on the inter- internet who then go down a rabbit hole and find this out about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and he's got a slew of articles that look 
correctly scientific and maybe i mean do do we are you sitting here saying the anti-vaxxers are faking those articles that are that show a correlation yes okay so that's conspiracy theory well look first of all let me just say that robert f kennedy jr i think has slid pretty far down the scale of (laughs) of kennedy uh children and that's a pretty tall ladder to fall off of right oh my god i mean you know president attorney general you know we've done some things right Mm -hmm. so he's got but surprisingly he's not the worst one no 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 well i mean teddy i mean he's not even the worst one he's pretty bad but he's teddy's not not the worst no teddy's not the worst no wait a minute i'm pretty sure the one who uh raped the girl when she was 13 is the worst (gasps) oh yeah that one I can't think of his name now. William Kennedy or William, no. William. No, what is his name? Hmm. I don't know. We'll, we'll, look, it we'll look it up. Um, but yeah, that guy. It's like something Kennedy Smith or something. Yeah, he's not he's got like, a Kennedy last he's like, name. I'm not even a Kennedy, but I'm putting Kennedy in my name. But I'm going to get it in there Kennedy, somehow. Kennedy. Kennedy. <laughs> so, um, but they do have articles that look scientific. I'm sure there are plenty of people with some credential. I suspect they're not actual, you know, immunologists, right? But there could be people of some credential that are willing to crank out a paper on anything you want. Does that, well, that's true. Right. I mean, you could have ghostwriters, but do you, but see, it's, that's very conspiracy minded. You have this, you have this group that has a certain amount. I mean, it's not a, you know, super powerful group. It's not a huge lobby or anything, but they, they have a voice. They're spreading information potentially. Well, willfully do you think that they know that they're willfully spreading dis- disinformation some or of them clearly do some of them have to right and they're just like i feel like some of the flat earthers really kind of knew yeah you know what i mean yeah so let's talk now about the way that we can see the anti-vax movement fitting in with other of the anti-science things we're doing we've yes. done one war on science episode which was flat earth it was brilliant what i want to do is watch for recurring themes because obviously the way things happen is i've done the research several episodes yeah, in yeah advance. we get it you've done all the research no i just see reoccurring <laughs> themes so i would like you to sort of say between flat earth and this is you off the cuff i'm not coaching you off no, the cuff sorry, between flat that. earth and anti-vax do you see anything that's like a recurring thing? Of course. So obviously it's a rejection of the scientific con- consensus, right? Mm-hmm. It also similar similarly relies on a fairly unscientific approach to their theory. They both have the in common that nothing counts as evidence against their theory. And even evidence that looks like it counts against it, they really say, no, that's... Uh, that's evidence for my theory because and the third thing they have in common is you have to believe in a certain level of conspiracy in order to uh, believe what you believe because, you know, the bulk of the scientific community is telling you, no, that's not supported by the evidence. Mm-hmm. So they have to ascribe to them some nefarious motives mm-hmm. and, um, and, and a conspiracy. Now, the essential, I mean, the, excuse me, the essential, yeah, the essential vax. No, the <laughs> anti vax. Yeah, the anti vax conspiracy is not as vast as the uh, 
exponentially more ridiculous flat earth theory, mm-hmm. right? It's still bad. Mm-hmm. It's still unscientific. Actually, it's, I feel like it's more well, dangerous. It's worse in terms of consequences, right? Because flat earth people just would get lost if they were, you know, on a sailboat or something. <laughs> so, Potentially. But, but anti They may bang into the ice wall. Drag down our herd uh, immunity. They can cause uh, isolated outbreaks of certain disease. And if they get, you know, too popular, really, you know, bring back some of these diseases that were all but eradicated. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I think those are all great sort of connections between the two. I would also like to throw in there, and maybe this is a part of it, or a restatement or a renaming of what you already said. Um, w- one thing that I see carrying through is religion. Right, because you, if you don't have science, you need something to help you make those explanations somewhat credible. And spirituality and religion, since they don't really rely on evidence, is, an, is a useful little plug there, right? Mm-hmm. I agree. So religion is, a, is a, a sort of a carrying factor through or a common denominator through the first, at least the first two. Um, and then also, um, kind of disillusionment with government or disillusionment or anti-establishment. Of course. Um, radical individualism. These are all characteristics of the paranoid conspiracy theorist, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have a certain amount of I mean, I got a very high amount of skepticism towards the establishment, towards uh, authority figures, towards experts. Uh, and, you know, that that's just going to be common, I think, in all paranoid conspiracy theorists. Notice that I use the term paranoid conspiracy theorist as opposed to somebody who just believes a conspiracy because conspiracies do happen as we said before but these are obviously very extreme very extreme um so i just want to point out that just as an example for one vaccine since the year 2020 years measles vaccination has saved an estimated 17.1 million lives you're welcome so let's vaccinate our children everyone yeah let's in fact if they've already been vaccinated maybe take them in for round two (laughs) all right so we're gonna move into now our social media we have a facebook page we would love you to join us on that facebook page for lively discussions which recently we have actually had so thanks to everyone who have participated in the political discussions that we've been doing on our facebook page but that facebook page is extemporaneous and it starts with an x um and mark is going to tell you about our insta so we have a gram, you guys, fellow kids, uh, um, and it's at extemporaneous pod. Yeah. All right. So there we are. Um, thanks for hanging in with us through the potentially weird sound issues that we had in this episode. It's been a long two weeks with this fucking episode, so I'm really glad to see the end of it. Yay. End of fucking vaccines. 
Wow, no. <laughs> Vaccines will continue to be regardless. No, Don't but worry. this episode of anti-vax, oh, peace see now, out, see, Cub Scout. See, now you're all about the anti-vax now. Because mm, no. you hate them now because you had to talk about them for a week. Fuck those bitches. Yeah, see? Wow. Super well regarded. And, and I mean, it's amazing. I mean, it got on a weed box. I mean, <laughs> What? He's on a weedy? Oh! <laughs> That's Bruce. What's Bruce? Jenner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, they don't put they don't put uh, immunologists on <laughs> cereal boxes. No. Wow. Like, I don't even know enough about that idiocy to joke about it. But <laughs> um, I've, it's so fucked up. There's no way to find it funny. Yeah. Think so? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but you're looking at me like a deer in the headlights a little bit, man. What's going on? Okay, if if a a good portion of my job is to make something funny on the podcast, maybe it's not great motivation to keep looking at him and go, I don't think you can make it funny. I think this is it. I I think it's going to be a fucking dud, and everything you say is going to be stupid. No, my God. That's what I think you're saying. No, that is not what I'm saying to you. Hilarious. Oh, my God. The uh, fragile ego of man.